This is John Riley, writer of Harold Lovecraft and Tesla. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box. everybody welcome to the show on the line today i have glenn head uh he is a i mean you're gonna see him listed online as like an underground comics creator or like a you know some kind of like subversive or you know a comics creator from outside the normal scope but he is an award-winning and very talented creator uh he made chicago he's been in you know pretty much every underground comic that you can think of. And today we're going to be talking about, um, oh, it's Chartwell, right? That went Chartwell Manor, yes. Yeah, Chartwell Manor. Um, and before we start the episode fully, like, just be aware that uh, this comic does deal really heavily with, like, child sexual and physical and emotional abuse. So if that's, like, an issue for you, you know, just know that that's going to probably come up in this interview. You know, I know that's a really sensitive subject for a lot of people, but... Uh, on that note, Glenn, how are you today, man? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Being here. So I guess uh, the easiest way for me to start is, you know, when I'm looking at your history and your body of work, um, I, I know that you trained uh, under Art Spiegelman, who was the creator of Mouse and is, I mean, just like a, a also an award-winning, you know, world-renowned uh, song, comic, yeah. Yeah, comics creator. What was it like learning under somebody that just, I mean, is such a, such a massive talent? Yeah. And, and I really have to say not only a massive talent as an artist and, and as an editor, but really as a teacher, um, everybody I knew that, that had him as an instructor and we're talking the early eighties uh, I'd say about 82 to 84, 85. I had him for three years. Um, we all really learned a lot from him. And he was a very tough critic, very smart guy, an excellent lecturer, and he would brook no bullshit. He really wanted everybody on board and paying attention, or he'd throw you out of the class practically. I mean, he took it very seriously, and we were, we had to take it very seriously too if we were going to be there. So we did. And um, as I say, we learned a lot, not just about you know, the, the basics of what you usually see with comic books. For instance, most people, most guys, especially with kids growing up, looking at comic books, what they see is the visuals. They see the excitement. They see the thrills. But what they don't tend to get, and they really need to be forced to really reckon with it, is what the strip is really about. And that means not just the writing, but the whole idea of a comic strip as a sort of working mechanism that has to work with a beginning, a middle and an end, an idea. Maybe the jokes have to be good, but the essence of the comic is not the art, you know, and you, you learn that if you really study it, it's got much more to do with idea and, uh, and story, you know, in the same way that a, a movie has to have a great screenplay, a really good comic has to have, you know, a really good script. So we really studied that and uh, got, got a lot out of it. You know, for the three years I had him, it was the best art school education I could possibly have had. That's, that's awesome. So, you know, you're talking about how, you know, you have to have a good script to create a good comic, Mm -hmm. you know, 
do you feel like in a lot of ways that you're effectively making a film, but in yes. a different medium? Yes. And I, I'm glad you bring that up because that's something that it, only in recent years, during my last book, Chicago, which is about being broke and homeless and crazy on the streets of Chicago and what that experience is like, um, trying to depict that experience or the experiences that go on in Chartwell Manor, which is about me being in a boarding school for a couple of years. And then the remainder of the book, which is really quite a bit of it, is the aftermath of that and how it's affected me. Um, what I find really interesting in comics is that, especially the comic book and even more so the graphic novel, is that you can step into this other world, you know, this dream state that is not at all unlike what you might get at a really good movie, uh, especially in a theater where there's a big screen and there's a collective dream state of everybody in there stepping into that world of whatever it might be, whether it's Scorsese or Hitchcock or Spielberg. These guys are dream makers and they are building that dream for you to feel that you can, you can be a part of it. You know, you inhabit it. And <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's really what, I aspire to with the, the movement of a film and uh, the flow of it and the uh, psychic state that a film can impart. You know, you can feel a part of that psychic world when you're watching that movie. And you can get that in comics, too, with with some of my favorites, you know, artists like Crom or Mark Byer or S. Clay Wilson. There's a world that they've invented. And when you visit it, you're walking around in it for better or worse. So, you know, when you talk, when you're talking about Chicago and Chartwell Manor, like, you know, these are really intense, like personal experiences for you. They are. So do you find that in a lot of ways, people inhabiting that same space mentally can also, you know, by sharing that dream state with you of the comic book, they can in a lot of ways process some of their own like life, you know, traumas, you know, because a lot of the things that you deal with in your books are things that a lot of people in some way or another have experienced. Yeah. And um, I, I hope they definitely sense a sort of uh, kinship as well as um, an identification. And in truth, you know, Trouble Manor, you know, it's a, it's a very intense book and has a lot of heavy stuff in it. You know, there there is sex abuse. There's a pedophile headmaster. The book shows a lot of pretty horrendous things happening. I depict myself getting abused, myself in fights with other kids. I I don't know. I, I don't think of myself as being some kind of sacrificial lamb so that other people can get their kicks or so that they can feel I'm doing that for them. But what I do feel is that abuse happens on quite a mass scale in the world and life. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess perhaps the catharsis that is experienced on the page for the viewer, whether I felt it or not while I was drawing it could be helpful to people. I can see where that would be the case. I mean, when I've read other books that really moved me and that's what a book like this should do. It should move you so that you feel my experience. It can, I don't know how to, how to describe it. Just bring about a sense of uh, reflection and identification. Um, a good example of what I'm talking about is uh, there's a 
One of my favorite uh, graphic memoirs is a book called Diary of a Teenage Girl. And it has some similar uh, material to what's going on in my book. Um, it's not as dark because it's actually about, um, it's about a relationship that say a 15, 16 year old girl has with her stepdad, but there's some genuine love there. Um, I would never say that there's any love between the headmaster at my boarding school and the kids, although we may have felt it, but her drawing that it's very powerful to read that. And you feel for her, you feel for her experiences when, when you read that book. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm not, but I I've definitely read books that have like that kind of really intense uh, empathetic response, you know? Yeah, I guess that's, you're using the words I, I should have. Empathetic response is, is, <laughs> okay. is, is uh, what, what you're aiming for. Yeah, sure. So, you know, when you're creating this and it's like, it's intensely personal. I got about three fourths of the way through it. You know, I just ran out of time and it's, I mean, it's traumatic. You know, you're, you're really dealing with a, an intense, you know, trauma in, in the book. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are, are shamed by like experiences that they have, you know, maybe they feel residual guilt, those kinds of things. Like, was there like a a difficult moment for you to decide to write this or, or is this something that you, you set out to do? Like, I guess easily is the wrong word, but like, did you feel like, really driven to create this or did you struggle to create this? I was really driven to create it. And in fact, I knew I was going to do this. I've been getting asked this a lot. Like, why did it take this long for you to get to where you could do it? That's the first question. And the second one is when did you first realize you wanted to do this as material? Okay. In actual fact, I've been wanting to do this as material since I was there because I was a very sensitive kid and I was very aware of this kind of intense gothic nightmare atmosphere. And I was sort of one of those kids that daydreams a lot and has fantasies. And being at this this weird place, this rainy, dark, forbidding, you know, castle of a, of a school, it felt like being in a horror story itself. It was almost as if you could see vampires or werewolves right around the corner. And so I was very struck by that. And I, I did want to do something with it then the next answer to the question is simply that it took a great deal of time before I was ready. And I did make several attempts over the years to try to do this book. I tried it, um, I guess about 20 or 30 years ago as a, as a 32 page comic. And I realized it just wasn't working. I wasn't sure why. So I put it away and I think I knew I was getting going to go back to it once I had drawn Chicago, because that book has a lot of trauma in it too. It's a different kind of trauma, but that's a trauma that is specifically related to um, meeting your heroes, going out in the world. It's a coming of age story, you know, about being on the streets and romanticizing that until you're actually in it. So there was a lot of trauma there, you know, that whole thing of, this dream of being an underground cartoonist and what that might mean, and then getting your face rubbed in it. That's traumatic too. 
but it's not as traumatic as something like Trouble Manor, where you're seeing a 13-year-old kid who has no agency having things bad happen to him. You know, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, well, uh, I was just going to say that once I had drawn that book and it got a good reaction, and plus, this is the main thing, I learned how to work long form, which is a totally different animal from doing a shorter comic, you know, a 32-page comic or something. It's just completely different. It's almost a different medium working in uh, the graphic novel format as opposed to working in the comic book format. In the same way that that's a different format from the gag panel. You know, these are all just completely different things. So in getting to where I could work, you know, on a, on a much more massive scale, that's when I realized I could do this book because I knew it would, would have to take place over the course of a lot of years and a lot of decades. So, you know, because it's a true story, there's information out there about like all of the things that have happened. There's lawsuits that have been, you know, filed against like the, the guy and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Right. You know, does it, in in some ways, does it is it cathartic to know that like your story is a part of that, and that you know this this isn't something that'll be forgotten to history. You know that those people like deserve a voice in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I've thought that sometimes. I mean, like I, I felt like if I didn't draw this book, nobody else was going to do it. Right. Um, there there was one other kid at at school who actually showed some ability as a cartoonist. I don't know what became of him, but. Yeah, this this story would be lost to history. And that in itself might not necessarily be a bad thing. There's plenty of childhood trauma stories. What makes this one worth telling? Well, I universalized it as much as possible. Like, I don't try to create myself, make myself in this character as, you know, something special, either an innocent or anything like that. I show myself getting up into just as much trouble as any of the other kids at that school, but that doesn't mean I deserve any of the things that happened to me at that school. Just like no little kid deserves anything that happens to them 99% of the time. So um, as far as catharsis goes, um, the most cathartic thing, the, the most uh, satisfying thing in a, in a sense is that the experiences there did not stop me. Um, Nobody stopped me. There might be people who would rather that I not draw this book. They didn't stop me. So from a defiant comic book artist standpoint, that's very cathartic because nothing stopped me. Nothing got in my way and the book is out. So those are the things that really matter for a cartoonist. It's so much work to actually complete a massive project that if it's also about a project, if the project is about something that has been kept hidden and closeted, that's very freeing to to draw that and get it out there and not let anything stop you from doing that, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Like, it's cool to think about, like, you know, there were barriers put in your way by your past and, you know, childhood and all that. And you ignored them. That's great. <laughs> That's what we should all do is just ignore the barriers that are put in our way. I try that really hard and, you know, we all fail at it sometimes, but that's awesome. Like, you know, do, do exactly what you want to do. If you can. Yeah, <laughs> if you can. Exactly. There's, there's a, there's always a price for that too, but um, <laughs> I believe that the, usually the price being is, poor. <laughs> well, sometimes the, the, 
the price I believe is higher for, for not doing it. That's the other thing, you know, it can get to a point where it's harder not to draw a book like this than it is to draw it. And that's the thing I was going to say. Um, <clears throat> the experience of drawing Charwell Manor was really nothing like a difficult experience. I showed up for it every day and I just had to kind of get out of the way of what the material was so that it could draw itself. You know, you got to be there and focus and make it happen. But um, this was a book that really wanted to happen. Yeah. So it, it was in some ways the most, it was really the most enjoyable comic project I've ever done. And it's a lot of pages, 236, which for me is really something. Yeah. That's it's, it's incredible for me to think about, you know, cause, Oh, hi. <laughs> this is, this is my interview today. Hello. To him. Hi. His name's Glenn. He made a very big comic. Cool. <laughs> um, so it's interesting to me to think about, you know, the size of the comic book and like kind of how you deal with that, you know, is there, is there like a very specific process to like the script writing where you're like segmenting it out or anything like that? Cause I know, you know, a, a standard comic script is, is not very much like it's only a few pages long typically, uh, you know, so this is lots of dense, you know, talking lots of, huh. you know, panels to look at lots of, lots of work. Like how do you tackle a project like that? Well, you're, you're right about that. The, the written aspect of it is very intense. And, and uh, I actually think that with the graphic novel, it is even more so than it is with say a comic, like the kind of comics I grew up reading uh, things like zap comics and stuff like that. Uh, Often enough, it really seemed that the story was kind of secondary. It, it almost didn't matter. You, you were seeing these cool characters like Mr. Natural or the Snoid <laughs> or the Checkered Demon just cavorting around and being crazy. And then the strip ended. So, and they, it didn't really look like a really big time thought out intellectual process to write that. They, they were just going crazy on the page that's the opposite of what you're doing with a graphic novel. You could never do anything like that. Everything has to be really well worked out. Everything has to be thought through and scripted very carefully. And uh, that was the case in this book where everything was written way in advance. And there's five chapters to it actually. And each of those five chapters, when I was going to start a new one, I would show it to my, to my nice kitty. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's Okay. I would, I would show it to my wife, who's a very smart critic, and uh, we would go over it. So anything that was getting in the way of uh, the flow of the story, or as she has called it, doing the same beat, meaning the same thing, so that the story is getting redundant, because you had something like the character do that before, you want to cut that scene. Right. So there's that process of, of editing and cutting, and in some cases, expanding a scene that maybe it could it could have more if it was longer. So that that process, you know, and that is also something that I really like about the graphic novel. See, it it can allow for depth and it can allow for expansion. You really can't allow for much expansion in the kind of comics that I used to do. You know, a six or an eight page strip, you can't add a few pages just because you like a character. It won't withstand it. You're constantly cutting things down. So yeah, with the, with the graphic novel, you can really, you can go into great depth with characters too. 
you know, it's, it's the opposite of like a Dick Tracy comic or something <laughs> where, you know, flat top entirely by his physiognomy. As soon as you see him, you know, he's dangerous, you know, he's evil. That's about all you're ever going to need to know about flat top. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, if you're doing comics with say your family or your daughter or something like that, um, that's not an option. That's not why people would want to read that kind of comic anyway. They would want to get to something deeper. They would want to know something more about the characters. They want that stuff to be filled in, you know? That's, that's awesome. Like it's, it's cool to think about, you know, the, the specific difference between like a six page, you know, feature in like a, a larger comic book versus like this big, big project and how you can expand and contract in different spots. Like that's, yeah. that's super fascinating. Yeah. You know, so you know, as we're kind of getting close to the end, I just, I, I, I gotta know what's it like, you know, opening up a page in sports illustrated or time magazine or something like that and being like, yeah, that's me. God damn it. <laughs> like, you know, like it, it, is it really just satisfying to know, you know, that there's magazines that millions of people read that, that your work is in? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, it's always great to see you work out there in places. I mean, not that I've done that much illustration, but yeah, it's always great to open up a magazine and see your work in there. Yeah. You know, um, to, to be honest, um, the narrower confines of underground comics or alternative comics, whatever you want to call them, that's where I'm really at because um, see the alter alternative comics medium is a lot like the alternate film medium, independent mm -hmm. medium where, you know, you, you work there because you can just tell your story the way you want it, you know, contrarily, you know, doing illustration, something like that, you're filtering it through an art director who is also being filtered through the editorial as well as the advertisers that everybody has to make happy. So that they'll keep giving money to the magazine. So that sports illustrated will still exist and all that. So that kind of filtering process is not good for your art, just like it's not good for TV shows or for movies when they've got bankrolled by people who want the movie to reflect something they like. Right. You know, the, the great thing about underground comics is that like uh, in theory, you're not really pleasing anybody, but you, maybe your publisher, hopefully. So they'll publish it. But um, <laughs> other than that, it's on you. And that's what I love. When I, when I was first uh, seeing underground comics, that that's what really blew me away. It was seeing all these really powerful individual stylistic voices, you know, that were, you know, really their own, you know, and that's the challenge is really to, to develop and find your own voice in the same way, in spite of those influences. It's, it's interesting. I just listened to an interview with Eli Roth, where he talks about, uh, how that kind of like market testing sensibility has ruined like, like filmmaking for the major industries because sure. they've gone so far as to market test concepts for movies. Like they're not even, it's not even <laughs> a close to a finished product. It's like, what do you think of this idea? And people go, yeah, ah, whatever. <laughs> I'll stick with, I'll stick with my crappy Z movies anyways. So <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you, you want, you want that, uh, you know, it's that thing of the auteur, you know, it, it can be a cliche, but there can be truth in it. I mean, you know, a movie by Martin Scorsese, especially a great one, it really is just his movie, even if other people were in on editing it and acting and everything else, you know, right. that's, that's what we aspire to.
Well, uh, I'm getting kind of close to the end of my time, so I should definitely give you the opportunity, Glenn, to say where people can find you, where people can pick up the book, and you know, pretty much anything that you want to plug. Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, well, you can you can follow me on Instagram, Glennhead Comics, and uh, let's see, you can you can uh, pre-order because it's not out yet. Chartwell mm-hmm. Manor from Fantagraphics Books. That's my publisher. Or you can also fa- uh, pre-order it from Amazon. Nice. And, yeah, you can do that. Okay. And as somebody that has had the opportunity to read most of it, just not quite finished yet, it, it's a fantastic pickup, guys. Like, this is a really, really good book. It's a really powerful book. And, and it's one of those things that, like, I would hand to somebody and tell them, you have to read this. Like, this is... Oh. The book. So thank you very much for me. High price. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, Glenn, thanks again for your time, man. We really, yeah. really appreciate it. And thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, and YouTube for behind-the-scenes information and more content! Thinking Outside the Long Box is a barren space production! Ah!